We're live. Good afternoon, producer Susan. You all recovered from Memorial Day celebration? I am, Jersey Joe. How about you? Uh, doing great, thank you. Hey, a little note. Today is June 6th, and you know what June 6th is? Uh, it's primary day in New Jersey. You know what else it is? Uh, something happened? Um, uh, it's a... Um... It's a Remembrance Day of um, all of the wars in Europe. D-Day. This is Day Day. Yeah, D-Day. Sorry, D -Day thank that, you. The, uh, the letter escapes me. Allies landed on the beaches of Normandy. Normandy. Uh, and uh, just so we don't forget, do you know how many American soldiers lost their lives on this day in 1942? Uh, Actually, 1945, uh, rather. A lot. I don't know the number offhand. Uh, 10,000 American soldiers died on this day in 19, 1945, but it was the beginning of the end of the war, so... Didn't want anybody I, to forget that. And I believe that your father fought in that war. My my father was a World War II veteran. Uh, he wasn't in Normandy, but he did. He was in World War II. All right. Um, so anyway, so anyway, what's the situation with Jersey Joe? News and perspective you won't hear on TV. Um, our quote of the week, we're going to start off with a 150-year-old quote by Abraham Lincoln that was recently used in a debate regarding whether or not a transgender person really becomes someone of the opposite sex. And who would have guessed that Abraham, that a quote by Abraham Lincoln uh, would be used in a debate regarding transgenderism today? Um, the stupidest and scariest thing I've heard all week, and I think you've seen this, um, a man asks a bunch of young adults a series of very simple questions, and I'll go through some of those questions. And there, it's astounding how many people didn't know the answer to these incredibly simple questions. And I'll, I'll even play, it's a five-minute clip. I'll play like 90 seconds of it just to give you an idea. Uh, but it's really, uh, it, it, it bothers him to me that so many young people, and the vast majority of them are either currently of voting age or soon will be, that these are the people who, by and large, will determine who our next president is. And they can't tell you how many eggs there are in a dozen eggs. I, I mean, literally, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many eggs there are in a dozen eggs. And these people vote. I um, believe I sent that to you. And I, yeah, I have the same thought. I can't believe these people vote or soon yeah. will be voting. Right. Um, with and our tax dollars at work segment, I'll tell you about um, uh, how how federal grants are, are given to school districts to buy electric buses are turning into a huge waste of your tax dollars. Um, we'll bring an update on Biden's declared war on fossil fuels and how one of his recent executive orders is going to severely hurt members of the Navajo Nation in New Mexico. Uh, we'll tell you about a recent Supreme Court ruling that stops the EPA from trying to regulate what farmers can and cannot do with their own land. Um, we'll share with you some data on how effective uh, Mexico's strict gun laws are at stopping gun violence in that country. And our taxpayer relief shot is from Huntsville, where a store employee shoots and kills a man who attacks him. But before that, I just heard one thing just before I came on. Um, a woman was hired by a health club uh, in New York City. Um, and in she was late to work 47 times in her first 10 months. And the company and the health club fired her for being late 47 times in 10 months. Now, she, she was a black woman and she was also transgender. She sued claiming that her uh, termination was racially biased, even though the same guy that hired her is the same guy that fired her. Jury awarded her $11 million. What, for what grounds? Well, she convinced the jury that her firing was not because she was late 47 times in 10 months. It's because um, 
she was a black uh, transgender black woman and her uh and she was fired not because she was late 47 times in 10 months but because she was a black it was retaliation for her being a black transgender woman or she's a biological woman transgender whatever uh it, it makes you shake your head uh at, at juries all right um but let's move on because i got so much stuff i'm never going to get to it all uh, my question is how much am i going to have to leave out anyway here's a quote of the week so thomas Sowell, who we talked about before he's a economist and author he's a black man and they were having this debate about transgenderism and he he related this story and i did research this this is an actual quote by abraham lincoln you can look it up and here's what thomas soul remarked on this debate about transgenderism he said abraham lincoln once asked an audience how many legs a dog has if you count the tail as a leg when the audience answered five Lincoln told them that the answer was four. The fact that you called the tail a leg did not make it a leg. Um, and can you see the relevance to, to this debate? Now, if a, if a person wants to say, I prefer to go through life as a man or I prefer to go through life as a woman, I am absolutely fine with that. Uh, but please don't ask me to believe that you're a man when you're not. Uh, so what's, uh, and if you don't want to commit, that's fine. But I think the, the Lincoln quote is very apropos to this whole thing about uh, transgenderism and saying, I demand you recognize me as a sex other than I was born. So any thoughts on your part? Are you just going to leave it, leave it alone? Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the stupidest and scariest thing I've heard all week. Uh, this is the five minute video where a man asked teenagers, uh, just one or two of the following very simple questions and that none of them can answer. And, and here's the question. I'm going to read you all the questions I heard. I, I jot them down. Then I'll play 60 seconds. So he's got this big picture of a clock. And on the clock, the clock is showing uh, five minutes to two. And he asks these, he holds up this picture of a clock. And he asks the people, what time is the clock showing? Now, again, everybody has digital watches these days. These people look at the clock showing five minutes to two. Nobody can tell them what time it is. He asks people, how many states are in the United States? No, nobody can tell them what's the capital of the united states some of them say the united states has a capital he asked them what two countries border the united states which is obviously canada and mexico he asked them what continent are we on right now what language is spoken in idaho how many eggs in a dozen how many months in a year what is the third month of the year how many cents in a dollar how many dimes in a dollar how many letters in the alphabet how many moons does the earth have how much is three times three times three? Can you name three countries other than the United States? Can you name a country that starts with the letter U, which is the United States or Uganda? What country is Hawaii part of? Now, by the way, were there any questions in that list that you couldn't have answered? This is all third grade. You remember that old game show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? This is all right. smarter than a third grader. Smarter Anyway, so let me just play you 60 seconds um, of this clip. And starting with, he's asking this, this girl who appears to be about 19 or 20, how many eggs in a dozen? Like how many eggs are in one dozen? Yes. Know what the third month of each year is? February. Yes. Do you know what two yeah. countries border the U.S.? All countries border the U.S.? Border, border. Canada? Yeah, and what? Russia? 
Yes. How many moons does the Earth have? Six. Yes. How many states make up the United States? Six. And by the way, this guy's wearing a college graduation. This guy's just graduated from college. He's wearing his college graduation robe. Here we go. And so how many, how many, how many, here we go. Let me back up. Yes. How many states make up the United States? Six. Yes. How many letters are in the alphabet? 24. You know how many seasons there are? 12. I don't know. 12? Yes. What language do the people in Idaho speak? Potato. Wait, what? What language? Um, the first thing came to mind was potatoes. Three states make up the United States. That's a number. Five. Yes. What continent are we on right now? What continent? Um, I think like North Africa. It's three times three times three. Eighteen. Yes. How many cents are in one dollar? How many cents is our one dollar? Yeah. One, five, ten, twenty, thirty, twenty-six. Yes. You know what country we gained our independence from? Mexico, right? No, no, that's so wrong. Russia, no. <laughs> Give me a final guess. Canada. <laughs> what a sad state of affair. I'll post the entire video on the uh, website. If you would, please. I mean, that's just so embarrassing uh, that, and and these are the people, you know, that they're being graduated from high school and that kind of, it wasn't my notes, but I was reading a report like in Chicago, only 20% of the the high school graduates can read or do math at grade level. Remember, in, well, you probably don't, but when I went to school, they used to leave you back and make you repeat grades. Now they are so focused on getting them in and out of the school. They just push them through. The fact that mm -hmm. they are failing and can't read at grade level and can't do math at grade level, it doesn't matter. They just promote them up and out. Um, and think about the workforce. If you, you know, one of the questions was, um, how much is a quarter plus two dimes? And they can't even, they couldn't even answer the question. I mean, obviously, you know, the answer is 45 cents, you know, 25 plus 10 plus 10. Um, what does it say about the quality of the workforce the United States has, you know, will, currently has and will have, because we're graduating people from high school that can't make change, um, can't tell you what three times three times three is. It, it's really scary in terms of what the future of this country is in terms of a educated workforce. Um, and you and people wonder why jobs are moving overseas. Um, anyway, that's. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but it's just scary. No, I agree. It's 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 sad. And the the commentator, by the way, who's asking the questions, when you hear him say yes, if you watch the video, he's just doing it out of appeasement uh, because he's just yes. he has no. Yeah, he's just he doesn't. <laughs> For want lack to argue. of a better word, he just agrees with them. He just shakes his head and say yes. Like obviously, that's the most ridiculous answer I've ever heard. But he just tells the person, "Yes, you're right," and he moves on. So, all right. Um. So remember, this. Um, I'm going to tie this back to the uh, debt ceiling negotiations uh, from last week, where you know the federal government kept saying, "We're already bare bones. We have nothing we can cut." Well, remember, we I talked about the one uh, grant where the uh, home Department of Homeland Security gave some little college in in Dayton, Ohio, three hundred fifty thousand dollars to come up with a 
pyramid of right wing, uh, what was it, right wing, uh, uh, by, you know, getting people right wing extremism, and they lumped in Fox News and the Republican National Committee with the American Nazi Party. So obviously, that's $350,000 we didn't have to spend. Now it turns out the federal government has been taking money we don't have. When I say money we don't have, because this year we're going to have to borrow $1.6 trillion, which, as I pointed out two weeks ago, means we have to borrow $50,000 every second to cover that $1.6 trillion. Turns out the federal government has been giving school districts grants to go buy electric school buses. Now, is that something the federal government needs to do? I mean, if a school district wants electric school buses, why don't they go to the taxpayers of the school district and say, hey, we're going to raise your property taxes by a couple of bucks because we want to buy electric school buses. Don't you think that's the way it should work? No, no, because that's not efficient use of their tax money. Well, they would they would probably say, no, we don't want we don't want to spend our tax dollars. But so the federal government. Um, is I saying think that's that school buses are a necessity, but not electric school buses. Right. So the federal government is saying, hey, we're going to borrow money. Uh, and we're going to give it to school districts who didn't think it was important enough to go buy them on their own. But and we're going to give this money and you can only use this money for electric school buses. So um, uh, and here's what's happened as a result of that. I'm going to read you a little quote here from a story. During an April 19th presentation to the Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor Public School Board of Education, the district's environmental sustainability director, and I won't tell you the, her name, his name highlighted a number of issues with the district's electric bus fleet. Those buses, Lazuna said, have a lot of downtime and performance issues and aren't fully on the road, despite the fact that they're approximately five times more expensive than regular buses. The infrastructure upgrades required to use the buses, meanwhile, were originally estimated to only be about $50,000, but, and here's a quote, ended up being more like $200,000 according to Lazuna. I have a number of colleagues in different states who are facing similar challenges, the district official lamented. So let me go back and recap that. So the buses cost five times more than a regular bus, are less reliable, they, they can't keep them on the road, and they had to spend $200,000 to put in these charging stations to keep these, um, keep these school buses, to keep these buses charged, to recharge them because you can't charge them with a regular Tesla charger. Um, and then I've got the, the art in the article I have, which you might want to post. Um, there are many other school districts have similar horror stories. So again, in terms of things that we don't need to be funding, the federal government doesn't need to be, you know, giving away taxpayer dollars to school districts to buy electric school buses that they really at this point don't even want and really aren't working. Um, any thoughts on on uh, the use of tax dollars to buy school buses, electric school buses? Agreed. I, I think that school buses are a necessity for some districts, and they should not be spending their money on electric school buses. And remember, at five to one, they could have bought five times as many regular buses for every one electric bus. And wouldn't that have been a far better use of, of tax dollars mm -hmm. to buy five times as many new um new buses as opposed to one one electric bus anyway. absolutely navajo nation i don't know if you're familiar with the navajo nation it tends to be down around farmington new mexico mm -hmm. that's where the navajo nation is yep. and unfortunately like many indian reservations that don't have casinos um you know up in up in uh, south dakota 
um, in, in the Navajo Nation, the Indian reservations uh, tend to be a lot of poverty. Um, don't know if you're familiar with the poverty that's associated with a lot of Indian reservations. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and the Navajo Nation is one. Again, they, they don't have any casinos down there. Um, but the one thing they have going for them in that area of New Mexico, there is a lot of oil and gas. Um, and they were looking for, and there, there's already been some oil and gas development uh, near the Navajo Nation. And the oil and gas companies were getting closer and closer. And every time they come, uh, there's a lot of employment. Uh, I have to be involved in the oil and gas industry. You get these guys are working on, an, on a drilling rig. The, these guys are making, oh, typical guy working on a drilling rig. He's, he's making 100000 a year. High school education, he's making 100000 a year. And when these oil and gas companies start drilling and they're employing, and your typical oil well over the course of the six weeks, it tends to get up. It costs $5 million to drill an oil or gas well. Well, guess what? The bulk of that money gets pumped back into the local economy because these people have to eat. They have to sleep. They go to restaurants. They're buying clothes. Um, and it, it creates employment, uh, truck drivers, uh, uh, roughnecks. So the Navajo Nation was really looking forward to having this expansion of oil and drilling uh, get more prevalent in and around the Navajo Nation. Well, uh, President Biden, they put it, he said, I'm thinking about doing a 20-year ban on oil drilling on lands near the Navajo Nation. And he went out for public comment. And in 2021, Navajo Nation President Jonathan Nez uh, and Vice President Myron Leisner penned a letter to President Biden warning it would have a devastating impact on tribal members. Um, and last year, the San Juan County, New Mexico Board of Commissioners passed a resolution opposing uh, the Department of Energy Administration proposal to ban drilling. Didn't make a, a single bit of difference. Uh, Biden has issued an executive order banning drilling for the next 20 years in and around the Navajo Nation, even though they said, we want you to drill. It's vital to our economy. It provides jobs. It provides money for our local economy. Biden said, nope, no more drilling on in and around the Navajo Nation. So he's basically condemning them to continue to live in poverty. And any thoughts on the wisdom of doing that? Yeah, you know, I, obviously the the Indian nations, including the Navajo nations, have had a long history of Americans screwing them over. Right. And it's just another example. Just another example they've got. I mean, they're literally sitting on you know, millions, you know, tens of millions of dollars of natural resources in terms of natural gas and oil. There's it's under their feet. And Biden says, nope, you can't drill for it. I'm not going to let it happen um, again. So, I mean, you've seen what um, a casino can do for an Indian nation, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if, if you can drill it's for job oil and creation gas, and job creation and money into the economy of no, Biden says, no. You can stay in poverty. We're not going to let people drill for oil and gas on your lands. Anyway, um, interesting Supreme Court ruling. Um, the EPA, uh, there's been a case going through the court system for the past four years. Um, there was a farmer who had on his farmland a seasonal wetland. In other words, during a rainy season, there was a low spot in his field that would kind of get, you know, it would have some standing water. And, and my grandparents had a farm and, you know, in the spring and when the snow melt, where there was a dip in the field, 
you would get a little pond, maybe three or four inches deep. Um, and that's, you know, when it, you know, because the ground becomes saturated and, you know, probably from March through the first of May, that little, you know, that little area, maybe an acre, two acres would have two or three inches of water in it, standing water, not connected to any river or stream. Anyway, the EPA was trying to tell a farmer he couldn't build on that piece of land. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, irrigate it. He couldn't flatten it out. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't excavate it because it quote, it was a wetland and we have authority over what happens to wetlands. And the EPA uh, Environmental Protection Agency called that seasonal uh, wetland. They said that's under our jurisdiction. Well, last week the Supreme Court said, no, um, you do not have jurisdiction. They said, if that wetland had any uh, regular connection to a body of water, either a, a larger year-round lake or a stream or a creek, yeah, you could argue that your uh, your charter to protect the waters of the United States might apply because whatever would happen in that seasonal wetland could run into that creek, pond, or year-round lake. But this little depression in this farmer's field is not connected to any other body of water at any time during the year. So no EPA, you do not have authority over a, a, a swampy area on a, on a farmer's farm. Uh, I think that's a huge win uh, for landowners and farmers. I don't any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously you probably wouldn't want to build there anyway, knowing that it does, you know, get soppy two months out of the year. But, but as a farmer, you probably have other uses for it. Yeah, you can you can grow stuff in it. And by the way, you he he want I think what he wanted to do is actually he wanted to excavate and level it out and fill it in. And they said no, you can't fill it in. It's a wetland. So <laughs> he he literally wanted to fill it in so it wouldn't get wet. And they pre they prevented him from filling it in. All right. Well, let's move on to gun laws. There's a new show on called uh, Catching Contraband or something. It's a documentary. Oh. Uh, have you seen it? I haven't. What channel is it on? Um, you know, I don't know offhand. Um, but I think if you know, if I can find it, I'll text it to you. But or just Google contraband on your um it's a weekly series now. Um anyway, I was watching it the other day, and um one of the things I didn't realize, anyway, they're trying they're catching now. People think the the border patrol is mostly they're catching drugs coming National drugs. Geographic. National Geographic Channel, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, most people think of smuggling is drugs and illegal aliens coming from Mexico into the United States. Mm -hmm. Turns out they're catching every day. They're catching people smuggling uh, pistols, rifles and shotguns into Mexico. Um, and then I was watching this uh, and, and then I was reading this NPR story on this. You know what the and this excluding what they catch. You know what Customs Border Patrol now puts the annual figure at, at how many guns per year are being smug successfully smuggled into Mexico? What's that? 250,000 guns wow. per year. But when, when, they, when they stop these cars, like they'll stop a van and they'll you know go under where the spare tire should be. It's not just one gun. I mean, they're they're catching guys with, you know, 12, 14, 20 guns in the car. You know, one, one guy had like, 11 pistols, four AK-47s, you know, three AR-15s, you know, two shotguns. And and think back, and you know why these people are doing this? 
money, drugs. Right. Prohibition. Did prohibition stop drinking in the United States? Absolutely not. What did prohibition do? It forced it underground. Forced it underground and it it, it turned it into a criminal exercise. Enterprise. And unregulated. Unregulated criminal enterprise. It made millionaires out of people like Al Capone. And of course, you had people being remember the Valentine's Day massacre. Mm -hmm. You had thousands of people being killed in gang wars, you know, over the rights to, you know, smuggling liquor. So prohibition didn't stop uh, liquor. And and Mexico, by the way, has incredibly strict gun laws. I'll just read them off to you. In Mexico, citizens are limited to just one handgun of a caliber no larger than nine millimeter or 38 special, can only have a maximum of nine long guns, uh, generally either a 22 caliber rifle or shotgun. You can't have a 3030, you can't have a 3006. And buying or owning a semi-automatic or bolt action rifle of a larger caliber, such as an AR-15, requires special permission that is rarely given. So these guns that are being smuggled into Mexico, you can't legally buy them in Mexico and you can't even legally own them in Mexico. So they basically created a supply, a lucrative supply and demand uh, scenario very similar to prohibition in the United States, where it is now big business because if you can make, let's say you can make a hundred bucks a gun for every gun you you smuggle into Mexico. Well, 250,000 guns a year times a hundred bucks a gun, that's $25 million. Um, that That's a pretty good financial incentive, isn't it? Mm -hmm, absolutely. All right. How are we doing on time? Uh, let's see. We got, you got about a good 10 minutes. All right. Um, well, guess what? You know, did I make it through everything I had today? That would be a first. That would be a first. Uh, okay. We're going to go our taxpayer relief shot. And the reason I call them a taxpayer relief shot um, is that when you are when you arrest a thug and you, you send them a, first of all the trial, they never have money, so you have to give them a court appointed attorney, which costs money. And then if he gets convicted, you send him to prison. Well, prison is seventy five or eighty thousand dollars a year to keep a guy in jail. And then if he gets out, you get probationary expense. So you know it costs the taxpayers to send a guy to, to try a guy for a crime and send him to jail for ten years costs the taxpayers a million bucks. So uh, we call them taxpayer relief shots because when the good guy or good woman with a gun shoots and kills the thug. Uh, you save the taxpayers, you know, a million dollars on average. And here's what the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, Florida, says about says about it. Here we go. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. Now, that's uh, the sheriff of Santa Rosa uh, County, uh, Florida. But we also have one um, that's got a couple of messages for uh, for criminals. And this is Polk County, Florida. Here we go. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. And I've got just one more for you. And there's the shade of Sheriff Grady Judge again. Um, here we go. But we have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. 
and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. You know what's sad? That you can't get any other sheriff in the, in the entire United States to, to come out and say something like that. But you got two in Florida. You got you got two in Florida. All right, so let's go to uh, to Houston right now. Um, and here we go. This is uh, from Houston. We're a store clerk. Just mind his own business. Here we go. So still investigating a deadly shooting that happened inside of a business in Huntsville. It was a store employee who police say shot and killed a man who attacked the worker. The owner of the shop says the gun was fired in self-defense. This story's Morgan Rydell has more. Monday night, Huntsville police say a man entered Mr. Nice Guys on Highway 30 and attacked the store employee who was carrying a gun. Business owner Michael Martinez says his employee warned the man who continued fighting the worker. My uh, employee was doing what he normally does, you know, talking about different products in the store, asking what the guy wanted. They had communication back and forth for about two minutes. And then the guy got physically angry. Uh, he started to attempt to get between the cabinet here. Employees stepping away, sort of pointing, telling me to get out of the store. This is when Martinez says the employee used his weapon and shot the man multiple times. Police said the man died at the hospital and they have not released his identity. Mr. Nice Guys is a wellness shop selling CBD products and smoking accessories. Martinez says nothing like this has ever happened here and the employee is pretty shaken up. And we don't deal with a lot of issues like that. It's an isolated incident in our opinion. We've been open for almost four years with our stores, and this is uh, the first time this has ever happened to an extreme like this. Um, it's a little upsetting. You know, you never want to go to the extent of having somebody take a life. My guy, he's a little upset with my assignment today, but it's expected to be considered the circumstances. That employee was not arrested, and Martinez says they don't expect the employee to face any charges. In Huntsville, Morgan Rydell, News 3. You know what I found interesting about that? I wanted to share that what I found interesting about that is that the the owner of the store knew his employee uh, was carrying concealed weapon and was fine with it. How many businesses to this day, you know, do you think permit employees to to carry a gun at work? It, definitely none around here. I, I know uh, I've heard of a few in Colorado, uh, mm -hmm. not even in like Denver area, but, you know, farther out in the more rural areas. I know it's accepted. In fact, uh, the uh, Lauren Bobert, the uh, congressional representative from uh, from Colorado, uh, she and her husband ran a uh, grill called Shooters. Or uh, yeah, that's rifle. it. That was that yeah. was actually the place I was thinking of when I yeah, said that Shooters Grill in Rifle, Colorado. Yeah, and you'll see some owners, and we played some of these shots where the owner of the place, where the owner of the restaurant, the owner of the store carries a gun, but it's rare that you have an owner comfortable letting an employee carry a gun. And I and I have to say, you know, if a person is trained, licensed. Um, it's a shame that more business owners aren't comfortable letting trained and you know, licensed employees, you know, carry concealed weapon at work, you know, given how prevalent, you know, as we both know, these things happen. I mean, when I pick one out for the week, it's I'm picking from a dozen. And by mm -hmm. the way, for every one that's fatal, uh, there's, there's another, for every one fatal incidence, uh, there's another three or four, not where the good guy with the gun shoots the shoots the bad guy but it's it's not fatal so we don't call it a taxpayer relief shot but i can come up with 30 times a week where a good guy or a good woman with a gun shoots a bad guy now only a third of those are fatal 
but that's how prevalent you know it is you know the world's a dangerous place so mm-hmm. other than that if you unless you've got something to add i think I'm well I, I got two questions that. for you one okay. so today is the primary day in new jersey and i know we've we've talked a lot the last few weeks about how these primaries are not glamorous elections but they're the important elections because it's your judges and your district attorney so are there any election races that are happening in New Jersey that stand out to you? Not, you know, I only got the ballot for my voting district. And guess what? When I looked, I only had one Republican candidate for every office. So it wasn't, I had nothing to vote for because it really, there was no nobody to, to choose from. For every open position, uh, there was only one Republican candidate. So it was pointless for me to vote in the, our primary today. Now, that's not true in, in every uh, voting district in in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. it was it was really pointless for me to even vote in the primary because uh, there was only one person to vote for, and even that person just got one vote. <clears throat> they were going to be the nominee. So, mm-hmm. and my like, second question is: so uh, I understand tomorrow is actually another holiday. Another holiday. Another yes. significant day <laughs> on the calendar. Somebody told me it might be my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> well, well, Jersey Joe, we do wish you a happy birthday tomorrow. All right. Well, thank you, Producer Susan. Anyway, I want to thank all of you who listened to the podcast for giving up 30 minutes out of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about the things I find of interest and importance. I hope you found those topics as interesting and important as I did. And if so, I hope you continue to listen to the podcast in the weeks and months to come. If you want to see some of the materials and story links you heard me talk about today, you can find them on the Jersey Joe website. And again, that's Jersey spelled with a R, J-E-R is in Robert, Z is in Zebra, E-E, jerseyjoe.com. Uh, producer Susan will get some of those links up, including the link with all the stupid uh, young adults. Uh, if you want to email me with a comment, question, or suggested show topic, you can do that by sending me an email to joe at jerseyjoe.com. And remember, J-E-R-Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com. And with that, I'm over and out. Producer Susan, unless you've got something. Nope. I hope you have a good birthday. All right. Talk to you next week, producer. All right. right. Take care. Bye-bye.